Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder, the head of global research for Alhambra Partners. My name is Emil Kalinowski. And in our previous episode, Jeff Snyder called it start of Eurodollar number five. One of the key indications of this global lateral credit money shortage that will interfere with our economic activity and make things much worse for us economically was the behavior of the U.S. dollar. Not in and of itself, but relative to other currencies. And one of those key currencies is the Chinese yuan. Jeff, I've pulled up a chart of the CNY, the yuan, the renminbi versus the U.S. dollar. And I'm, I like to exaggerate. It's a lot of fun. You know, if you keep everything normal and professional and calm, ah, that's just terrible. But I can't even exaggerate. What's happening to this chart? It looks like something has broken. It looks like somebody smacked it with a baseball bat or something, right? <laughs> Jeff, you do it. Because if I exaggerate, <laughs> if I explain it, people say Emil's exaggerating again. Tell them, tell the people what's happening to this currency. Well, what happened to the currency recently, as we were talking about in the previous episode, this is one of the final indications that said, yeah, this is the euro dollar number five was Chinese yuan had been rather steady throughout 2021, even as the escalating warnings in the eurodollar system continued, proliferated, got worse, uh, escalated, as I said. Yuan was kind of the one that hung in there for various reasons, whether it's the merchandise trade surplus that supplied dollars that the financial market was increasingly not doing. Uh, we'll, We'll probably never know how much of that was PBOC intervention. We'll probably never know that either. But anyway, in any event, February 28th. After February 28th, of course, February 28th is a very important date because after that point, we see any number of fireworks across the global monetary system, including yield curve inversion in the United States. And in terms of Chinese currency, that's when it started to weaken. We didn't really mention it on the show until recently because markets fluctuate. It wasn't a big move. But then about a week ago, what was a sort of six week or so downward trend. So it was a long enough trend where you could say something's going on here. Suddenly, just the bottom fell out. Somebody yanked the rug out from under China, and the thing has utterly collapsed. It's cratered, and I think it's down to uh, um, 661 today, which is even lower than the chart we're showing you here, which would make it a multi-year low, and it's continuing to sink. So something's going on in the one indication that had longest, that had held out the longest from this euro dollar number five. So we're very confident that this is absolutely a euro dollar number five. As of this moment, as we're recording this, Jeff, it's the mark of the beast, 666, which I take. So it's already fallen that much since I looked at it this morning and we're recording it. That's only, you know, maybe an hour or so. So it's continuing to fall precipitously. It's a reassuring sign, the mark of the beast. (laughs) No, no, it is not, Jeff. Now you're exaggerating again. Yes, yes. Nothing to worry about here, folks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, Jeff. People will call this a devaluation. And you are ahead of the game on this. You're, you don't want people to call it a devaluation. And it's in your title, in your title of your blog post that we're reading from. CNY's drop wasn't devaluation in 15 nor 18. And it isn't devaluation now. And you posted this on the 25th of April, 2022 at the Alhambra Investments blog post. I think the logical thing to do would be to go back in time to 2015 and 2018 and talk about what happened then to those currencies and why it wasn't a evaluation. 
Well, the big problem stems from the common conventional belief that governments are in control of their currencies. And therefore, if a currency either rises or falls, it's because some official institution wants it that way. And it's doubly believed to be the case when it comes to China, because China is such a top heavy authoritarian, centrally planned economy. At least that's the common belief. Whether or not that's actually true, that's another story entirely. And so if the Chinese yuan suddenly begins to fall, everybody immediately assumes that Xi Jinping has made his his directive known to uh, both the reserve managers as well as the PBOC, that he wants a weaker currency because the Keynesian textbook says that's what you do when confronted with economic weakness. You beggar thy neighbor. You devalue your currency, boost your exports, and get yourself out of the economic problem. So every time Chinese yuan falls, it's always said this is what China must want because China always gets what it wants. And as we know, or at least everybody's told to believe, governments control these things. And that's just not the case. I like to think of it as it wasn't a devaluation because it was so small. The, the, The 2015 devaluation. In uh, 2001, there was an American documentary about the fashion industry and international spying called Zoolander. And there was this one scene where Ben Stiller got upset because they built a model for students, children to read in. And he took that model and he threw it upside down. He said, what is this? A reading center for ants? And I always thought of the same thing with that devaluation in 2015. What is this devaluation for ants? It was two, three percent. Big deal. That's not a devaluation. 30, 40, 60 percent, like in 1994, Jeff. Do you agree that that was a devaluation when the Chinese took their currency and chopped it in? How much was it? 40 percent, 60? Those types of periods are more like, hey, let's just reset the whole thing from scratch. And so, yeah, yes. and I think what most people are what they're led to believe is that you don't need to do that. You can just fine tune it. And so you're right. They see these much more, these much smaller, at least smaller relative changes and think that's just, hey, that's just uh, some intentional policy somewhere fine tuning the currency so as to scientifically, predictably boost their export sector. But that's not really what Mm -hmm. happens at all, even whether big, smaller in between. You look at the much larger devaluation of something like a Brazilian real. That wasn't the Brazilian government saying we need to boost exports. That was the U.S. dollar rampaging as dollars became very hard to source and roll over, as not just for Brazil, but also for the Chinese. And so the Chinese were essentially fighting against their own version of a dollar shortage, which became a very big problem by the early early months of 2015. They had already spent an enormous amount of their reserve stash. Uh, by the end, it was almost a trillion dollars. I mean, massive amount, just trying to keep the currency from falling further than it did. One of the methods or one of the means that they tried to achieve the stability in CNY, that's the other thing. When you actually look at what's going on here, Chinese authorities weren't, they didn't want the currency to fall. They wanted it to at least be steady, if not rise. So the intent was the opposite of what most people are believe anyway. We can actually see that in the specific multi-month episode between the middle of March 2015 and August of 2015. So for almost five months The Chinese authorities did something. We don't know what they did, but they did something where they essentially pegged CNY against the dollar to an increasingly narrow, 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 narrower range. So that by the time we got to June and July 2015, it was almost an exact peg. And so, again, that wasn't because they wanted it to devalue. They were preparing for it to devalue. They were doing everything that they possibly could to keep it from falling. 
And what that meant was, in very functional terms, the eurodollar market was supplying fewer dollars or making them more costly for Chinese banks to source through Tokyo, probably. The government was using its reserve stash to supplement and subsidize Chinese banks' dollar needs. And so they were doing that using this peg of CNY to the U.S. dollar in order to guide them in how much they should be doing the subsidies or subsidizing until we got to early August when suddenly something broke. It was August 10th or August 11th, I believe, where uh, just out of nowhere, the Chinese had to revalue the currency. As you said, it was only a couple percent. But in terms of doing it all at once in that context, it was an enormous it made enormous waves throughout the financial system. What about 2018? It wasn't in the press as much. I don't remember anyone talking about a Chinese devaluation, but there was a loss in value. Is that right, Jeff? Tell us about the 2018 episode. In some ways, it was even bigger and more abrupt than it had been in 2015, because in 2015, you had these small chunks. They would let the currency fall because the dollar just became too much. And then they would try to intervene to try to stabilize the currency. And then a couple months later, they would let it go again. Well, by 2018, they had completely changed tactics. We don't need to get, there's a whole can of worms that gets, that involves Hong Kong and all sorts of other things. But by and large, by the time you get to early part of 2018, the Chinese authorities decided they were not going to do what they did in 2015 and 2016. They were not going to expend an enormous amount of the reserves. In fact, they were going to sort of manipulate the reserves so it didn't look like there was much going on there at all. Instead, if the Chinese yuan was going to fall, they were going to let it fall. And fall it did. It fell very hard from mid middle of April until around June and July of 2018, uh, which was an abrupt change, again, because most people were expecting the opposite. Nobody was expecting the U.S. dollar to rise because... We wrongly associate these currency movements with intentional government policies rather than global dollar shortages, which is what we're really talking about here. What moves currencies, the U.S. dollar higher against everybody else, is the fact that the U.S. dollars are are much harder to come by than they used to be. Therefore, dollar goes up, everything else goes down. Jeff, the Chinese economy, very dependent on euro dollars, foreign funding, and the redistribution center closest to them would be Tokyo, the yen. Now, right now, the yen is performing the same behavior as the yuan, losing value versus the dollar. Is there any coincidence? Should we be looking to what happened in the Japanese currency and the Chinese currency? I'm looking back in time right now. And in late, mid-2014, the yen lost quite a bit of value. And then from January all the way until... June, it lost value some more. Not as much, but it lost some value. Then in 2018, our other example, it actually gained value from early January to, let's call it the beginning of April. And then from April till June, July, it was losing value. So is there a pattern there? No pattern? What should we think? I don't think there's a common pattern because the Japanese have been structurally doing different things at those different times. Before then, you know, from around 2009 forward, the, ja- the Japanese were only too happy to become a greater and greater part of the euro dollar redistribution network, which is why we sometimes call it the Asian dollar transfer or transition, because the euro dollar became less of Europe, less Europe centered, less Cayman Island centered and more Asian centered, which kind of makes some sense. With the Japanese in the middle of that. But somewhere around 28, later part of 2018, they decided, eh, we, we don't want to do that anymore. 
But then they jump back in in 2019. And then, as we've pointed out several times on this show, according to the tick data anyway, going back to November of 2020, the Japanese have said, no, nah, we're not sure we want to do this anymore. So from 2021 to 2022, I think we can at least look at the Japanese yen and Chinese yuan as linked in a way that maybe they hadn't been, especially in 2018, which is that uh, the euro dollar system as a whole is viewing Chinese or Japanese banks as exposed to China, maybe overexposed to China, and therefore is pounding both China and Japan for essentially the same factors and the same reasons. So I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence. In fact, I don't think it's coincidence at all that the Japanese yen and Chinese yuan is, have basically had the rug yanked out from under them over these past, in particular, these past, what is it, seven, almost eight weeks now, two months, where we've seen all sorts of gross euro dollar dysfunction, including, as I mentioned in our previous episode, you can plot the Japanese yen against repo fails and they, they, match, they line up almost perfectly which shows you shortage, an indication of shortage of collateral, therefore a proxy for how money is functioning and how well it's functioning in the overall system, which is what seems to be working out in the Japanese yen, which has finally caught up with the Chinese yuan over the last couple months. Jeff, do you have anything more to say about your article? Do you believe, for example, that uh, if you don't, have anything more to say, do you believe that the authorities in China are seeing this as a concern and they're going to be asked to do something, who knows what it is, but I would expect that perhaps they're going to react if this continues. Yeah, I think the Chinese authorities are looking at changing their underpants and their underwear because they, are, they have to be looking at this and saying, this is not what we're looking for. Again, because it's not devaluation. The Chinese have been absolutely upfront. They want stability in the currency. They want it to rise a little bit. They don't want it to move a lot in either direction. So maybe while they were maybe they were somewhat comfortable with it falling a touch in early March, they sure as hell are not going to be comfortable with it tanking and crashing as it is lately. So, yeah, I think there's a reason why Xi Jinping got on television yesterday or the day before and said, hey, we're going to do some stuff because mm -hmm. they're looking at this and saying this is not good because they realize it's not them that did it. This is not devaluation. This is not stimulus. This is all about the U.S. dollar, meaning the euro dollar system getting into its Euro dollar number five funk. Can you tell if these are portfolio in outflows, Jeff, from your data? Or have you, have you not researched that yet? Or you don't have the ability to see that? Yeah, I'm always skeptical of people who make the claims that they can say it's portfolio outflows, it's commercial flows, because the Chinese are very good about hiding what they're doing, not just off balance sheet, whether, whether the public, uh, People's Bank of China or the commercial banks, because we don't really have enough of a transparent look into what's actually going on there to say definitively it's one thing or another. What we can say, because the market is irrefutable, Chinese yuan is crashing. It's not the Chinese authorities. They don't want it to crash. Therefore, and remember, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. We're seeing these things happen all over the place. So it's reasonable to conclude, it's more than reasonable to conclude that these are the increasing escalating effects of a euro dollar number five that dates back to last May. Thank you very much, Jeff. All right. Take care, Emil. Okay.